Welcome to Cretech Climate Cast, a podcast series devoted to educating, inspiring, and leading the built world to address the world's biggest crisis, climate change. I'm your host, Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech Climate, the leading voice for the real estate industry's commitment to climate tech. Join me each week for 20 minutes as we connect with the world's leading real estate and tech innovators from VCs, real estate companies, academic and nonprofit sectors. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Michael Beckerman. Thanks for joining me for another episode of my podcast, Creek Tech Climate Cast, where I talk to leaders from around the world who are helping to decarbonize the built world. Today, I'm I'm really uh, excited because I've got a friend on and uh, somebody that I have great admiration and respect for has done some extraordinary work uh, in the prop tech sector. Now, uh, made a huge transition, uh, one that I'm fascinated by and want to unpack with him from working on the venture side at uh, one of the biggest real estate companies in the world to the startup scene and uh, working in the EV space. Uh, and it's a fascinating transition. And he's a great friend and uh, somebody that's made a huge impact in our industry. So it's my pleasure to introduce Eric Roseman uh, to the podcast. Eric, good to see you, bud. Great to see you too. And uh, sorry, I'm in a bit of a glass cubicle uh, back into an office. So is it too echoey or is it okay? I mean, you you know, like we say, uh, not to get religious, but we say in like our, the event business, we're going to broadcast now. We're going to we're going to amplify the voice of God. So <laughs> you sound like the voice of prop tech God. So it's good. It's All right, of, All right. Let, the, let the echoes be heard. Then sounds good. All right, bud. Let's jump in. So bring the the audience up to speed about you know everything you did up till. Uh, LPC Ventures. Give us a little uh, uh, Eric uh, highlights of your career. Okay. Uh, I've been working for about a decade. So first half of the decade, not related to prop tech. Second half of the decade, prop tech. So first half of the decade, I've always been at the intersection of tech and traditional industry. So I was at Bloomberg Software Company, intersection of finance and data. Went over to a... um, went over to a, a restaurant software company. So intersection of traditional restaurants and labor and software. Um, what I learned in those, you know, in those two areas was how to sell, frankly. Like, I just love helping traditional people understand new concepts, get them to adopt and help them see a new way. I turned that sort of persuasion or influence, whatever you want to call it, towards the real estate industry and started helping real estate people understand how technology can impact their business. So it started with a company called Floor, helping them use 3D visualization, VR to sort of materially see their projects in a different way, sell, lease their buildings. We sold that business to CBRE, uh, spent a couple of years at CBRE helping brokers, service providers use technology, advise their landlord clients. Um, and that was all kinds of technologies. And that brought me to Lincoln Property Company, where I spun up and built the technology and innovation arm, which included a venture business, as well as just a general innovation adoption platform. Um, and then, you know, I know you said, bring us up to speed. Okay. Pretty, pretty simple. 
uh, did that for a couple of years and then basically said, you know, I have a menu of options that I've seen in PropTech. I've seen it all. Let me pick the best one in the best space with the best people with the rising tide. And I selected one. So um, that's kind of how I got here and always picking a new challenge. Always, once I learn something, I want to learn a totally new thing. And so I'm, I'm sort of in this newer role, taking on a senior leadership position, building up teams, building up distribution channels, um, sort of selling the future around what's to come with mobility. Yeah, before we jump into to the new uh, challenge that you're focused on, um, I, I'd love to sort of just understand, given, given your vantage point at LPC, on the venture side, on the innovation side, what are the, like, the main takeaways and the lessons that you learned uh, in terms of how the real estate industry adopts or invests and adopts in technology in the most efficient way that then you're taking with you to this sort of new experience? So what, what were some of the, less, the big lessons that you learned at LPC? Ed, I think what I learned was, what's the quote in the rap song? Cash rules everything around me, cream. Uh, same thing in real estate where like capital determines everything, right? So when I was at Lincoln, we were an operator, we were a service provider. We were always looking to our capital partners to determine what they liked. Did they like life science? Did they like industrial, right? Like what product type? But it also determined what they cared about and the technology had to match it. So what I mean by that is when capital was saying things like, we care about ESG and sustainability, the operators and the service providers had to think about what are the technologies that help them get there. So everything was sort of rolling downhill from capital. So COVID, right? Capital was saying, what's the future of these assets look like? How do we stay competitive? How do we preserve our wealth? Well, that drove us to make decisions around, well, maybe we should track where people are in space and use occupancy sensors or reduce friction. So I think one, learn, one lesson I always learned when I was thinking about what's next is I would go up to our capital and say, what do you care about? And then let it trickle down to the operations and the service side to make Got decisions. It. Brilliant. I love that. And it's something I think about a lot too. I mean, your lens is through capital, mine's also just through demand. And what does what demand want? What is demand saying? And then how does this industry, real estate, adapt and lean into it, get in front of it, which is, you know, brings us to what you're doing now. So share, share with what uh, the audience, what you're doing now. Sure. So Zeal is a technology first electric vehicle charging company. Um, I say technology first, because think about where are the operating software? We are the software layer that allows you to run a charging network. A charger, just like we all charge our phones, is a plug that gives electricity from the grid to your device. Well, with charging a car, it's so much more complex. And when you talk about charging a car in an office building or an apartment building, you have all these other things that need to happen. It's like, who is using this, this charger? What kind of car does Michael Beckerman use? How much energy is he taking? What should we charge him? Should he get it for free because he's an executive or because should we charge him the employee rate, right? So there's all this sort of smart, um, smart functionality and it's not as simple as just putting a, a charger in a garage. And so if you look at the EV industry, all the rhetoric is like, we're all going to be driving electric by 2030, but no one's going to drive electric if there's no chargers in the places they need them. And people need to charge in places they spend a longer amount of time, where they sleep and where they work. Well, half of America lives in apartment buildings, so they don't get to determine 
where to put a charger at their apartment building. So we work with large landlords of commercial office and multifamily to figure out what the charging infrastructure needs are and how to run a smart network of EV charging. And why this is such like a beautiful industry, I think, is because I'm not talking about a nice to have. I'm not trying to sell you ping pong tables for your tenant lounge. I'm not trying to sell you on, you know, a swimming pool. These are great amenities. I liken an electric vehicle charger to a dishwasher or a sink. Are you going to rent an apartment that doesn't have a sink? Like, absolutely not. Like, these are critical things for, for everyday life. And charging your car is how you get to work. It's how you take your kids to the hospital. It's a, it's a critical service. Um, we just think we're doing it better. And we have a technology approach that's a lot more forward thinking than some of the other predecessors that came before us. Yeah. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with, uh, you know, the, the idea that this is a must have. Uh, I think when I think about sort of the prop tech sector and the journey that I've been on with you and, and many of our, our good friends, you know, I think if we're not for COVID, I think a lot of the um, adoption wouldn't have happened at the pace that it had over the last couple of years. When I think about sort of climate or sustainability sustainability uh, solutions like the one that, that you're leading as chief revenue officer at Zeal, I, I absolutely am convinced that adoption will come much, much faster than we saw in the prop tech. Because again, a lot of those solutions were good. They were nice to have. Very few are absolutely you must have. I think what, what you and your colleagues are doing at Zeal, it, it's a must have. Um, so I, I think you're absolutely right that this is the, the big one, <laughs> in my uh, humble opinion. Tell us about you know how then you though take this solution and and sell it uh, to an industry that has been sort of reticent to adopt a lot of technology. What are the messages you're using? What are the tactics? And if you have some case studies or examples, that'd be great to share as well. Because I want the world selfishly to know that these are the solutions that are really going to get adopted and, and be a game changer in the industry. Because then we all win. Planet wins. So. Talk to us, work us through the value prop and some case studies. Yeah. So if you take, if you add back to the question you asked me, what was one lesson I learned? And I answered capital, like look at capital and then follow what capital says. And if you look at capital, capital right now is very focused on sustainability ESG practices and sort of staying in front of the, the, the regulatory hurdles that are coming. And so we have seen capital change their rhetoric and change their initiatives around small initiatives like electric vehicle charging. We have a number of our clients, large private equity shops like Harrison Street, $40 billion fund that has proclaimed we are going to have 20% of our parking garages electrified using ZLP. And we have had groups like the NRP group say, we want one provider because why? You want one partner for a critical infrastructure play to layer up all of our brand new developments, 20%. And so you have capital making these initiatives and they tend to be influenced by legislation, right? Local cities have mandates now. So they say 10%, 20% of your garage must be EV ready. They have rebates. So state programs and utilities are saying, hey, maybe there's not an ROI today, but this is a critical need, so we'll subsidize it, right? so we are just riding on the back of 
the general push to get consumers to buy electric cars. And by the way, we're seeing subsidies to buy a car. So when you go and buy a Volvo CX40, you get 10 grand off the purchase price for it being electric. So all of these things are moving in the direction to influence your behavior. Um, capital is influencing it. Those decisions are influencing capital's behavior. And we are helping shape those, those initiatives. Um, so where it used to be, you know, you'd put one or two chargers in because it looked good and you could check the box. Now it's like, no, this is a huge selling point. And it's something that me as a renter, I'm going to make my renting decision based on who has a place to charge my car and who doesn't. Because if you don't have a place to charge my car, you know, and I have to buy a gas car instead, that's probably another 300 to $500 a month in gas fees or in, 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 in gas. So um, they not only see it as like staying ahead of the curve, but I also think they see it as good business because it attracts the right type of tenants, it retains the right type of tenants, and it's ancillary revenue. Um, so, and it's not just top of market. I'll give you another, another case study. We have a client called Catalyst Housing Group out in California. Um, mm-hmm. Stephanie Herman, Jordan Moss, like super forward thinking, incredibly innovative capital structure. They're buying market rate housing. They're turning it into sort of like in partnership with municipalities, kind of long-term workforce housing. They're putting in EV chargers because it allows their project to be more competitive. And so teachers and firemen in California, the bioelectric, they can now charge at home. They're saving significantly by not driving uh, gas cars. And like, you know, that's just improved the value of their asset. Um, and so we thought it was only, you know, you would think it's top of the market, luxury cars. This is affordable rate housing. These people are driving, they're driving the Nissan Leafs, they're driving Chevy Bolts, they're driving the Tesla Model 3s. These cars are now achievable, whereas they weren't before. They were sort of luxury. So we really address the class A beautiful developers in downtown Miami. And then we also do sort of affordable housing. But our focus is really to find landlords who want to do strategic rollouts and initiatives rather than just like, a oh, I need a onesie, twosie here or there. Like we look for partners rather than just customers. Yeah, and I, I'm absolutely convinced that you will win. You and the team will win, that sustainability will win as a category in the built environment because it's what the market, what their customers want and demand. And, you know, we don't need more ping pong tables and more basketball courts and more gyms. We need more EV charging stations, right? Like that's going to, you know, that's going to really make an impact in, you know, in, in, you know, confronting and, and, and hopefully making an impact in the climate crisis as well. But my, my question then is like, okay, so you've got those landlords that you mentioned. How hard is it though to get a zeal solution in my apartment building if I'm a landlord? Because I do worry about like, you know, the industry still is so young and there's not a lot of, technology people like yourself sitting on these real estate companies. Not everybody, most real estate companies are not the size of, of Lincoln Property Company. So what what does the process look like to get one of these solutions into my garage if I'm a landlord? How difficult is it? Well, if there's a will, there's a way. And I think a lot of the will is wanting to spend money to improve your building. Right? If you don't want to spend money to improve your building, you know, call it a slumlord or just call it someone who just is fine clipping a coupon. Like you're always going to have those people. Naturally, you're going to find more and more capital that comes to the table that says, I want to acquire an asset. 
and I want to improve that asset, right? Call it your value add investors, private equity. This is a tried, tried and true approach. We're finding those groups. We're finding developers and we're finding longer term owners who want to invest in their properties. They all are open minded and are now recognizing without me needing to influence them that putting charges in is, is good business. It'll improve the value of the property. It'll increase the, the value of the rent, everything. Um, how hard is it to actually do it? This is not clicking a button and deploying software. It's not. We're in the real world. We put physical chargers in the ground. We connect those physical chargers to electrical conduit, which goes into a panel, which, I mean, this is infrastructure. So we do our best to lower that friction. We say we're your end-to-end partner. We deliver the hardware, the software, we project manage it, and we lower the cost of all those things for you as a, a landlord from trying to do it yourself. For a few reasons, we have relationships with national installers, so we uh, negotiate really strong pricing. And most importantly, we actually cut out a huge amount of the infrastructure costs. Let me explain. A charger relies on two things, power, obviously, electricity, and internet. Why internet? Internet, because once again, I need to validate that this is Michael Beckerman. He drives a Tesla. Let's charge him $2 an hour. Well, we have a patent and we solve this that when you try to have connectivity into a garage, what do you think happens to your cellular connection or your Wi-Fi connection? Like it's tough, right? You're in a garage, it's subterranean, like you tend to lose a central connection. And over 50% of the chargers in America are non-functioning because it loses internet connection. So you'll drive to a Whole Foods, try to plug in your car and it'll say network unavailable. What that's saying is the information that you need to charge your car can't get through the pipes to charge your car. So we figured out, and we have a, a patent around this, that your phone acts as a distributed ledger. So you bring your phone, which has a time-bound token in it, you bring that phone to the charger, the charger locally accepts that ledger, your phone then recognizes, okay, great, we're ready to charge the car, and then the phone sends it to the cloud. So we figured out a new internet architecture in order to do edge computing for EV charging. And that's huge because we've now reduced the entire cost of internet infrastructure for our landlords. And so they have like, we have hilarious horror stories of someone being like, where have you been? I just spent two years putting in a DAS system, which leads to a Wi-Fi router to go to the antenna on my roof to get cell service so that someone can charge their car underground at a garage or on the first floor. So we've cut that out entirely reduced a lot of that friction for our landlords. And so that's what's allowing a younger company who's been around for three years now to grow at the rate we have and sort of eat the lunch of the larger groups, the charge points, and, and even the Teslas. We, we frequently we will beat them out with notable names because that is such a value proposition to our, to our clients. Yeah, great. Brilliant, man. So what's, what's next for the platform? Where, where are you all going next? What's your focus in the next, say, you know, 12, 24, what are you thinking about? What's the strategy? What's the roadmap? Yeah. So three things. Um, we're going to continue to be maniacally focused. It's about finding good partners to scale with. So like find me the large, you know, pension funds, the PGIMs, the Naveens of the world that own huge amounts of real estate that want a partner. We're going to continue to focus on that. The second thing is we're going to be building out more of our like championships. What that means is electricians, GCs, architects, they don't know about us yet because we've been going to their clients, but they're the experts. They have the ear of your local developer and your local owner. We want to empower them. We want to make sure that they know how Zeal works and that they can sort of resell it. 
The bigger vision, though, is what I just explained about that protocol, that, that connectivity architecture. We're going to license that out. What that means is we're going to license it to not only other EV charging companies, but we're going to license it to smart lock companies, package concierge type companies, anything where a user has to interact with an edge device. And that edge device is reliant on internet connectivity. Well, what if we can remove that internet connectivity 100% because now your phone, you're running around with network connections. So it's like, it blew my mind. Like I would not have left Lincoln Property Company where I built a really phenomenal business for for the company to just join a charger company. Like EV charging, great business. I love it. It's the underlying technologies, the technology first that I was like blown away by the applications we all run around talking about edge compute, edge compute. Well, if everything is edge computing, do you know how much of a drain on bro- like on capacity and broadband that would be? But if you have everyone running around and they're delivering ledgers of what's necessary to transact or open doors or charge your car, like that's a really, really meaningful change to the way we live our lives. I dig it, man. That's a big vision. And I think it's, it's great. And uh, it explains again, why you would leave such a, a position that you spent so much time building uh, to, to go to a startup. Uh, and I see the big, the big idea, the big vision. So finally, uh, I'd love to understand, uh, Eric, because, you know, I consider you, you are one of the OGs of the prop tech sector. I remember the days of Florida very, very well. Um, when you think about where we're going as a sector, Overall, what what are some of the thoughts that come to your mind? How do you envision this industry looking the next, say, five years? Well, I think there's been this rhetoric for as long as I've been in it of like data, data, data. Right? It's all about data, and there's been a lot of companies that are touting, "Oh, we believe," you know, "we break forth your data," and it's been empty promises. And I think we're going to see the cream rise from the rest in terms of people who actually are able to bring really good data and transparency to portfolios or parts of their business. Um, and so when I think about companies like Measurable, which are really building a platform that will like, allow you to see all your data, um, like those companies will proliferate. They will, they will stand the test of time. Um, I truly believe Zeal is one of those. Now we have a bit more of a smaller silo in terms of we bring transparency to exactly who's charging their car, how much energy, all that stuff, but like phenomenally transparent. Um, I, I just think that a lot of the nice to haves get washed away. And a lot of the people that bring forth actual data, um, they, they stay like they have, I mean, think if you look at CoStar, like they have been around for 40 years and they will continue to proliferate because they just have the most amount of transparent data to all of the market participants. Um, so I, I see, I see more data proliferating and more sort of quote unquote tools kind of falling off. Um, so when I think about if I put my investing hat on, I just look at who's got the hordes of data and how do I snuggle up to that? Mm. And, and then, you know, I think part two of that question then, you know, begs a quick conversation around sustainability. I mean, for me, and my lens, and it's why we're talking today. It's why we launched Cretech Climate. I do believe um, very, very strongly that climate sustainability, ESG, call it what you want, um, will will 
be a massive industry and, and prop tech will be very small in comparison to what's going to happen in, on the sustainability front for so many reasons. I mean, we could spend hours talking about why, whether it's government regulation, whether it's, you know, the Black Rocks of the world and the Blackstones of the world and, you know, the, the pension funds and where they're lending, um, the insurance agencies, the underwriting, uh, tenant demand, resident demand. It's, it's all converging on our industry, as you know well. What are your thoughts about the sustainability sector in real estate over the next five years or so? Are you bullish on it? I mean, obviously you are from Zeal's perspective, but what about the entire category? Um, I think there's a lot of boom and bust in it. I think we are, I think when, when the financing solutions are paired with good paybacks, we're going to have success. So when I look at things like C-Pace financing that allows you to take out sort of a green bond for a, like an energy accretive project in a building, like that's where you marry capital with improvements for success. And so, um, I am hopeful that we're going to see more innovation around different financing structures that allow us to take on more renewable projects. Because when we think about just sustainability and carbon reduction, a lot of this is just ties back to what's our energy source. And I, we've spent a lot of time with a couple of groups internally trying to be kind of our EV charging partner at sort of kind of bigger state level infrastructure projects. And thankfully, a lot of our state and our federal uh, governments do have programs that are subsidizing this, but we need the market to sort of step up and continue to provide financing solutions that are at a lower cost. Um, so I'm hopeful. I, I think when I was at Lincoln, I was part of a 150 megawatt solar project out in Arizona that I was trying to put together. And but just being sort of part of those, you see like the huge projects and the huge decade long lifts it's going to take. Um, but there are really smart people out there. And so I feel good that there's enough profit potential there's enough capital that wants to make it work and there's enough enterprising and entrepreneurial people who can put it together that you know we're going to get there i live in the great state of texas where we're the number two producer of renewable energy in america i think california's number one for solar we're number two maybe number one for wind so you know this is this is the land of the entrepreneurs and so i i do believe i have an optimistic lens on sustainability and our renewable future Brilliant. Well, we should end on that note <laughs> because I need all the optimism I can get on this climate journey of mine in our industry. So, Eric, man, it's so great to get caught up. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan of what you and the team are doing at Zeal. And uh, I, I, for a lot of reasons, I'm rooting for you because you're, you're, you're a good dude, you're a good fella. And I think the product and the solution is something that we should all be rooting for as an industry that uh, we you know, the more EV charging stations that we could put in the built environment, the better for everybody, right? The better for the consumers, better for the occupants, better for the real estate industry and better for the planet. So uh, as always, count me in uh, for whatever I could do to support you and the team, but uh, it's great to get caught up. Thanks for joining me, uh, joining me on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Michael. Always good to spend time with you. You bet, bud. If you want to hear more about top industry trends, please hit subscribe and join us on this journey to reimagine real estate. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. 
To stay up to date on leading climate tech trends and topics, join the Cretech Climate Community by clicking the link in our bio. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us next week.